Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Yo, yo, yo. How's it going? My name is Corbin Ford. You can follow me at CorbinNBA on Twitter. Let me tell you, I love the National Basketball Association. Everything about it. And NBA Today gives me the opportunity to talk about it with y'all. The ins, the outs. NBA from all angles. From current hot topics to flashbacks from the NBA's past to literally everything in between. And yes, that includes NBA Twitter. NBA Today is the show for the hoop junkies on hoop ball. Check it out. NBA Today with Corbin Ford. I look forward to talking with y'all real soon. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Well, JC, game one resulted in a familiar fate for the Lakers. 112-97 loss to the Houston Rockets as we open up round two. Not the way Lakers fans or either of us wanted to get started, but can't say that I'm tremendously surprised. Obviously, we'll get into it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back and welcome into the Hoopball Lakers podcast. Now, as always, I'm here with JC DeLeon. You can follow him on Twitter, JC DeLeon1. JC, how are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. Better than the Lakers, I, I care to venture at this time. <laughs> at least, at least right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I, and you know, other than it being literally 115 degrees where I'm at today, things are uh, mostly pretty okay. You know, we're practicing a lot of gratitude these days, uh, recognizing that life is difficult for everybody. But in terms of basketball, in terms of on-court basketball, I should say, I should even be more specific with that, given everything that has surrounded the NBA climate recently. This was not a very terribly impressive effort by the Lakers. In fact, JC, I found it to be sort of ordinary in a lot of ways. And, you know, I was watching the game with a friend and, he, and, and you know, actually my best friend. And he said to me, he said, you know, the Lakers have been off for an extended period of time. And this is usually what happens, you know, especially to them, but to any team. And I said, I, I said, I get that. I said, it's not the loss that bothers me, JC. And you tell me where you're at on this. It's not the loss that bothers me. It, it's the way that the Lakers lost last night. Yeah, it's it's a little disheartening that they tend to. I mean, the, these this year's playoffs aren't very old, obviously, but kind of throughout the season at times, it's a little disheartening that they tend to kind of feel out their opponent rather than sort of exert their own will. Um, is is kind of how it felt like watching it. I didn't really feel as if the Lakers are truly in trouble or if they're really overmatched because I, I don't feel like what I saw was anything close to what they're capable of. And I don't, it didn't seem like they were interested in showing anyone what they were really capable of. And that's a little disheartening. I, I feel like the Lakers be the first ones to tell you that they could have played a better game. Okay. But for me, it was just, it was all this talk leading up to the series about how we're not going to adjust to them. They're going to adjust to us. Last night, as soon as the game ended, JC, I, I went on my Twitter, which you can follow me on Twitter, by the way, at Ethan underscore Noroff with just the one F at the end. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Hoopball Lakers and, of course, the whole Hoopball family at Hoopball Tweets. 
I went on my account last night, JC, right after the game ended, and I said, awful Rondo minutes, Kuzma, Green are both MIA, no three-point success, and inconsistent LeBron, poor execution, no offense besides stand and watch ISO, and this has been your analysis. And, and to me, that was so indicative of, of what it was. Yes, LeBron had 20 points. I get that, and eight boards and seven assists. And, you know, it looks good on paper. He was 7 of 15 from the floor, which is actually down from what he was. I think he entered the second round shooting 60% in the first round from the field overall. But, and I, I just I didn't feel that the Lakers got anything easy last night. Even though Anthony Davis had 25 and 14, every point he scored, despite being 10 of 16, he had to work for it. There were no easy buckets for this Lakers team. And when you've got the biggest guys on the court, that's an issue for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, they, I mean, that's pretty much how I felt. Um, you know, I, I always talk about in, in playoffs, especially series things that are things that are, that are replicable and LeBron's always, he's not always going to go scoreless in the fourth quarter. So that's good. Uh, Anthony Davis did score 25, but yeah, he he was working really hard for those 25, and I didn't feel like he needed to. I've talked about how I want to see more of Anthony Davis pick and rolls, and I believe that was only I only saw one in game one, and it was with Rondo, and it was moderately successful. It was a uh, Rondo made, almost made Nelly pass to Anthony Davis, and he got fouled in the process. But yeah, they they need to run more pick and rolls with Anthony Davis. JC, I have a lot of thoughts about Rajon Rondo's return last night. <laughs> yeah. Played 25 minutes, and I just want to note that Alex so played 16. One of them was minus 2. One of them was minus 10. Do you want to guess as to which was which, or do you think you might know? <laughs> I know. Yeah, Rondo was minus 10. Caruso was uh, was minus 2. Caruso played really well. He, he started off the gate extremely hot, was playing really well, made that really great pass in transition to LeBron that led to him dunking on, on Russell Westbrook. Um, I was happy with what I saw with Rondo in the first quarter, but yeah, it just kind of kept getting worse and worse throughout. And, and it seems pretty apparent. And even when I first saw it, I was like, the first time I saw Rondo and LeBron on the floor together, I was like, oh no, that shouldn't be. They shouldn't both be on the floor at the same time. That is something that I am so glad that you said because I agree. That's that's not. I don't feel that that's a combination that's going to work sustainably. One of the things that concerns me about Rondo's involvement, besides the actual just play on the floor in terms of what he brought to the table last night, was Frank Vogel sort of adamantly defending him. He said, this is what Frank Vogel said. He said, quote, Rajon is one of the smartest players in the league, and obviously our guys' IQ raises when he's on the court. So he's definitely going to help us in this series. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily something that's totally incorrect in the right lineup, but I didn't like how he was used, much like you just said last night. And on top of that, why now? Why is now the time to get Rondo going when you're coming off of good momentum from, from the first series? I understand that there's been a, a delay or a layoff in between you know, stopping that series and starting this one. But Caruso didn't do anything to to give rationale to reduce his minutes. If anything, he provide he provided rationale for him to play more minutes. Yes, last night he was in a little bit of foul trouble, but as soon as Rondo was the first one off the bench, I kind of rolled my eyes and said, "Oh boy, I don't really like this." And and while we're talking about the bench, Kuzma 28 minutes last night, but minus 21. I mean, that's it's almost hard to do. 
was I was worried about Kuzma to start because he started off the game 0 for two. Whenever I kind of see him do that, I'm like, oh no, I don't think I don't think this is going to be the game for him. And sure enough, that was kind of the case. Well, and and the thing is with Kuzma, despite his inconsistency on offense in round one, he was actually playing pretty solid defense, especially by his standards, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But last night. That was not the case. And, I mean, not that anyone was exceptional last night on this Lakers team, defensively, offensively, anything. But that wasn't the case last night. And the same thing with Danny Green. Danny Green took 12 shots last night. That's the third most behind LeBron and Anthony Davis. He was 4 of 12 and 2 of 7 from deep. I I just – I don't understand what is going on with him. He has struggled so much. I'm not going to sit here and guess. It's just the shots aren't falling. But you still need to provide that effort piece. And I look at this lineup, and and whether you adjust the starting five or not for game two, and we'll get to there as we as we go further in this pod. I don't think there's capacity for this Lakers team to play Javale and Dwight Howard. Now they kind of split the center minutes last night, right? Javale played 13, Dwight played 11, so they played 24 minutes combined. You really should have one of those guys playing those 24 minutes, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's, I mean, Dwight Howard's having a rough go of it because he seems to wake up every morning with two fouls on him. Uh, and so, although he wouldn't really even foul trouble last night, uh, yeah, this doesn't seem, it doesn't, doesn't seem like the kind of series that you're going to get a lot of use out of both of them. Like, it seems like this isn't really the series for for JaVale McGee. As much as I like him starting, as much as I, like, as, as I talk about him setting the tone for this team effort-wise, um, this just might not be the series for him, and, and I, I like kind of what Dwight can bring in more limited, in a little bit more limited capacity because he's, you know, for everything for for all the the talk about how tall he's been his whole career, it's kind of been revealed that he's only about six ten rather than seven one or what people always thought, and so he's kind of more in line, a little bit smaller of a center than than JaVale McGee, and so I think he kind of fits the mold of this series a little better. I agree. And, and and it's funny you said that about Dwight Howard because I remember the first time I saw him and Kevin Durant on the court together and I said, wow, Kevin Durant is taller than Dwight Howard. So it's it's just interesting. And, and I, I don't know. Anthony Davis said that he's now willing to play center, which, okay, we, we knew whether or not he said that publicly, that was probably something that we all knew had to happen regardless, right? Mm-hmm. But even with that, I just feel like right now there are so there, there were so many things that I took away from game one and said this has to change. There wasn't anything that the Lakers did even moderately well, let alone well. The Lakers had 41 rebounds. The Rockets, 41 rebounds. That, to me, is a major issue. That Anthony Davis couldn't get inside on P.J. Tucker, whether, they were, whether it was the defense, the effort, on, on either the offensive or the defensive side in terms of effort. And the Lakers obviously, again, could not execute from the three-point line. 11 of 38, good for a whopping 28.9%. And it's not like the Rockets were exactly lighting it up from distance. They only made 14 threes, okay? The Lakers took one less three than the Rocket, than the Rockets, and the Rockets only made three more. They only shot 35.9%, which for a regular normal team is not bad. But for the Rockets, we've seen nights where they do a lot better. And that was my concern, as bad as it was for the Lakers last night, the pessimist view says, man, P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, et cetera, et cetera, they missed some corner threes. Well, not Robert Covington so much, but P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, they missed some makeable threes. And if those go in, the Lakers 
find themselves losing by what 20 25 points last night yeah for sure like that last night was a good up it was a good opportunity for them to kind of take advantage of a little bit slower shooting night than the rockets are going to have i think i think going game to game i think the lakers kind of have to have to submit that yeah maybe the rockets are going to make more threes than you but yeah you've got to rebound a lot more than them because they can get a lot of their offense started with deep outlet passes from rebounds, especially from three. Um, a lot of their, their fast breaks tend to start from defense and blocks, and there's just not going to be a lot of blocks here because the, the Rockets shoot so many threes. And so, yeah, they've got to focus on rebounding. And and honestly, if Russell Westbrook and Eric Gordon are going to outscore LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that's going to be a problem yeah. because obviously the Rockets also have James Harden, who was, you know, offensively very good last night. And, you know, it, the Rockets did have some momentum coming into this game. You could argue that they should have been tired, but, you know, they seemed to be riding some momentum, and obviously they got out to a good start, and they sort of rode that the whole game. The Lakers could just never really mount that effort. There were times where it looked like the Lakers were going to make their push, whether they tied it or brought it within two, but they could just never sort of get over that hump. And I take it back to the offense because it was just – it was so hard to watch. And, you know, I, it – almost reminded me of when Kobe was in his final year playing and man I, I know we all still miss Kobe and just thinking about it brings some element of sadness but when Kobe was in his final year playing with the Lakers and he had all those young cats around him there were a lot of times good bad ugly beautiful whatever where they just stood around and watched as almost as if they were fans just waiting for Kobe to do something right to make basketball magic and sort of regardless of who had the ball last night I felt like that was a lot of time a lot of times with the Lakers. In fact, at one point, you could even see LeBron sort of, I don't want to say necessarily get frustrated, but he was vocal with Dwight Howard. He's, and he's telling him to move out of the paint because he kept pulling the defenders into the paint. So it made it hard for LeBron to operate and drive and create space. So I, I don't, I'm not sitting here saying that Dion Waiters or let alone J.R. Smith needs more playing time. But what I am saying is the Lakers are going to need more shot makers and, and more ball handlers on the floor who are, more capable offensive threats because something's got to change here. Yeah, and and the Rockets were the only ones kind of making adjustments throughout the night. There was one sequence in which I think Anthony Davis scored two or three times in a row going one-on-one against James Harden, and I was about, I was about to tweet. I was like, if James, if James Harden, as, no matter how much refocus he's made on defense, if he's going to guard AD one-on-one, he's going to get cooked all night. Never guarded AD one-on-one again after that point. So they clearly made that adjustment. I mean, P.J. Tucker has been a guy who, you know, has been uh, invaluable, for lack of a better word, for this Rockets team because pretty much anything they've asked him to do, he's done, and he's done it well. You look at you look at his box score, six points, nine rebounds, and four fouls. You say you kind of raise your, your eyebrow, or some might and say, really, was that good? He was plus 19, game yeah. high he, for P.J. Tucker. So, yeah, he really was that good, and, and that matters because James Harden played 34 minutes. He, he was a plus-minus zero. Eric Gordon, despite scoring 23 points in his 34 minutes, was a plus one. So the, that wasn't really so much the Lakers' problem. It was when those other guys were on the floor, Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, P.J. Tucker, where, where they really struggled. And so I, I sit here and, and I look at this Lakers you know, roster up and down, and you know, we talk about tweaks to the rotations and things like that. And in terms of the starting five, J.C., I mean, if Anthony Davis says I'm willing to play center, part of me almost says, all right, let's, let's start him. Let's start him at center, and then you got to change the starting five. Obviously, you're going to bring somebody from the bench into the starting five because JaVale can't play another position. So assuming that's the case, what move do you anticipate happening? 
Uh, I mean, that's kind of where I think it, it, it's either Kuzma or Markeith. And it's interesting you bring up Markeith. Can, can you give us a little bit more on why you think it could be Markeith? Uh, I mean, he's he's shown uh, a tendency to kind of he'll he'll make his three point pointers a little bit more reliably than than some of the other guys. Like Caruso, God love him. Still, he made he was two for five last night, but he's still not a great three point shooter, and I still don't necessarily like for him to shoot threes because that's that's not really his strength. Um, but Markeith, sort of being the guy that that gets uh, kicked out to for threes, I like him there, and I like the defense he brings, and so. And, uh, and I think intensity-wise, I think him and kind of P.J. Tucker would sort of cancel each other out. Do you think that there's a scenario where the Lakers decide to go a little smaller and maybe bring Alex Caruso into the starting lineup or Rajon Rondo, as much as I hate to say that? I mean, they could. Uh, yeah, I mean, an extra ball handler. They The thing is, they've got, they've, I think LeBron has to kind of decide. If they're going to bring in another ball handler like Caruso or specifically or, or Rondo, then... LeBron's got to understand that he he's not necessarily going to run the offense, and he's got to be kind of that that cutter, or he's got to be a part of the moving offense the way he used to when, in early in his career. I think if I mean realistically, I, I look and I say I I would hate to go down in terms of size. I, I feel like that's an advantage that the Lakers have to take advantage of, for lack of a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would. I think a lot of people would default to Kuzma, and I think Vogel. You know, we've seen Vogel try that. Um, that said, I, I like the idea of Markeith Morris as well. Be- if, if, if a, because of what you said regarding the intensity factor with, with PJ Tucker, I, th- I think that's, you know, something that should be considered and B, I just think that he might be a better fit in the starting five in terms of how he literally fits with the rest of the players around him because Kuzma hasn't shown that he's really going to be this spot up shooter where he can just wait catch the ball and make it happen and he's not good enough at taking it to the rack in order for him to do something off the dribble like that either so because he needs the ball in his hands to make a play for Kyle Kuzma usually when it comes to offense I feel like Keith could be a better option in that sense does that make sense yeah that's a that's a good point I, I and you know the Lakers and maybe they don't they don't you know quote-unquote panic and maybe they say we're going to run the same five out there and just adjust the rotation but I still feel like, especially if Anthony Davis is going to play, you know, significant minutes, and I put that in air quotes, right, significant minutes in terms of Anthony Davis minutes at center, you still need to make a decision about who's going to fulfill that other, let's say, you know, 20 to 25 minutes or whatever it's going to be. Because I'm sure that there will be lineups where AD plays alongside Dwight and or JaVale, depending upon how the Lakers do it. And I agree that that the, the one of the issues for Dwight is that he's been in a lot of foul trouble, but... I almost, I almost look at Dwight and, and kind of wonder if he could be more effective in, in this particular series because if the Lakers are going to make a dedicated effort to sort of jam it down their throat, do you think he's a better fit to do that than JaVale? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's more athletic and faster, and he, he's a little bit more capable of, of guarding people you know, out beyond the paint. Yeah, and I think you know, I I don't know, I I don't th- I don't think the Lakers could even tell you what the quote unquote right answer is, but I, I think they would tell you that they got to know that they get you know some improved production here. Obviously, you know, Danny Green was not uh, anywhere to be found last night, but falling under that same designation, JC was uh, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, twenty eight minutes for him, two of eight from the field, one of five from three, and really not a whole lot else to talk about. He was only minus four in his twenty eight minutes, but. That's a guy who had been playing well for the Lakers or, or you know, 
good to well for the Lakers in the first round. And for him to drop off, too, I think that's, you know, if, if he scores 15 instead of 5, you know, this is a, a 5-point loss instead of a 15-point loss. Yeah, and the plus-minus category is kind of one thing to that sort of tells the story for the game. Like, I think the Lakers have to understand that, I think superstar for superstar, the Lakers can clearly match up with whoever they play against, whether it be the Blazers or the Rockets or presumably the Clippers in the next round if they get that far. Um, what they've got to understand is is the other guys beyond the superstars. And, and I mean, they're playing, presumably if they play the Clippers and they advance, they're play, they go from the Blazers, Rockets, Clippers, three teams that collectively, whose benches just get stronger and stronger and stronger. And so they've right. got, they've got so- to play better. Yeah, and and the, and the Lakers don't have you know the Lakers have depth, but they don't have the depth of the Clippers or or the Nuggets or the Jazz even right. I mean like, they, but I, I'm not to say that depth should replace star power. That it's better to have depth than be built top heavy whatever. I'm just saying that that's sort of the realities that the Lakers roster as it's constructed, it's top heavy. So they've done you know well enough to sort of round it out based on the buyout market and things like that. Obviously, waiters. Morris, Smith, all coming in, you know, later rather than sooner. But the majority of this team, you know, the core has been together and they've played together all season long. So I just think that they need to, it's it's hard to continue to trust certain things when things aren't going a certain way, right? Like you want to trust the process in life, but when things aren't going your way, you start to question it. And that's what makes sort of, you know, the mental health picture skewed sometimes for some people, right? It can be a challenge in that capacity. But I just I really I felt like the Lakers offense, the word that I kept using last night, JC, was stagnant. And and so it's not again, it's not the loss, it's just the way that they lost. And I really that's the thing I want to see a change in, sort of regardless of the personnel that's out there. Yeah, that's uh the effort and the movement in the offense and yeah, I think I think things that they're capable of changing. Uh, the difference in three pointers was only nine points, they lost by fifteen. Uh, they should have out-rebounded them by a lot more. And so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I definitely don't feel like the series is lost. I don't, lost. I don't, uh, I didn't really feel like that after the, the game one loss against Portland either. And so, yeah, I think, I think it'll be a long series. And so, yeah, there's, there's, there's adjustments that can be made. What is your opinion, sir, of the way that LeBron played in game one? Uh, I mean, it wasn't great. He had that he had that stretch in the second quarter and in, in in the whole first half where he sort of was engaged when he he got that that dunk on Russell. He had a couple of chase downs. After that, he made a three. I think when he does that, his adrenaline sort of gets going. But then he didn't really maintain it, which was which is disappointing. And in in, his, in the fourth quarter, especially, you can kind of see his complacency. The game wasn't completely lost in the fourth quarter, but he just wasn't. Wasn't there zero, zero zero fourth quarter points for LeBron? Yeah, zero. And I and I and I look back and I sort of reflect on his effort, and I look at I look at the box score, JC. I see fifteen shots, which I'm sorry, LeBron needs needs a little more than fifteen shots in my opinion at this mm-hmm. stage of the game, and half of them, seven of them, right, or just about half, because you know you can't divide fifteen and a half and get a whole number, but just about half of them were from three. That's not a version of LeBron that I want to see as the playoffs continue. No, it's definitely not. And, and I understand his tendency to, in the first first quarter to kind of want to get the other guys involved, and that'll sort of set the tone for the team. But I think there's, 
I think there comes a time in the playoff where he's got to set the tone for the team. I think when he gets going, the younger guys like Kuzma, I think, kind of get going. Uh, Caruso obviously gets going because of how much LeBron believes in him. I think, I think, yeah, when he when he gets going, that sort of also shows Anthony Davis what he needs to do. I think I think he's got to establish his presence more early and and do it with him scoring as opposed to him setting up other guys. We've seen this pattern from LeBron in the past, JC, where he kind of surveys what's going on before he decides how he's going to play or how he's going to attack, if that makes sense. And, and I kind of thought that's what he was doing in the first quarter. But then it just kind of continued, and I was almost sort of confounded by it. Like, he, he looked like he was lacking energy, and, and I don't... But then at the, at the same time, at one point, they, you know, they showed him on the bench, and he was kind of, you know, head nodding like, okay, I know what I need to do now type of stuff, right? Like something we see, again, where we've seen from Kobe in the past and several other, you know, Michael and guys like that. I'm just curious why there wasn't a greater sense of, to me anyway, why there wasn't a greater sense of urgency. And from Anthony Davis's perspective, because I wanted to ask about him too, I know you look at his line and you say, man, he was pretty good, 25 and 14, three steals, three blocks, 10 of 16 from the floor, like pretty good. But the turnaround fadeaways, the 20-foot jumpers, like despite the fact that they were going in the basket, okay, I just I felt like he should have had more activity around the rim, and I was really surprised that that was not the case. Yeah, I think the both of them have to both uh, have to both put up at least twenty shots each at, at the very least, and kind of see where it goes from there. So at this point, if you're Frank Vogel, what's your move for game two? I, I feel like there's maybe one more game in which they can kind of stand pat with this with this line because. I mean, like I was saying, the, look at, looking at the plus-minus and the Rockets only made three more threes than, than they did, I think with a more concerted effort, I could see how the Lakers could convince themselves they don't need to change their lineup just yet or at all even. Um, I mean, I feel like they do, but they may, they may not necessarily feel that way. Um, yeah, Rondo being gone for so long, him getting more minutes than Caruso, it should definitely be the other way, and hopefully maybe they see that. Or at the very least, Rondo shouldn't be on the floor at the same time as LeBron. If I were Frank Vogel, and this is why I'm not a head coach in the NBA, JC, but if I were Frank Vogel, I would I would adjust my rotations to keep my size differential as something that I could ex, uh, you know try to exploit. But I would put Caruso in the starting lineup because he's a he seemingly seems to me and to many others, I'm sure a better fit with that LeBron lineup. I'd take JaVale and put him on the bench. I'd probably play Dwight ahead of him. And I would be very mindful of the amount of minutes I play Kuzma and Markeith Morris. And, and I would really, really, I wouldn't hesitate to sit KCP or to sit Danny Green in, fa- in, in favor of trying either JR or Dion. And, and that feels like sort of a desperation statement. So I want to dial it back a little bit. But at the same time, you, you can't trade defense for offense. And again, not that game one was good defense from anyone, but waiters and JR aren't exactly known as defenders. And despite the offensive inefficiency, six of 20 combined for Green and KCP last night. Green was minus three, KCP was minus four, although I think Green's minus three is imperfect because there were a lot of defensive plays where I've seen him 
give a better effort than the one he showed last night. I, I just feel like Frank Vogel has to be a little less rigid maybe and a little more fluid. And I know that's something that we've talked about in the past is Frank Vogel sometimes gets into this um, stuck in this trap of being rigid and going with the traditional stuff. But I think he needs to be a little bit more fluid. Does that make sense? Yeah. I I mean, I wish I had the, the plus minus numbers together of like LeBron and Danny Green when they're on the court as opposed to to what we know from the regular season pre-COVID that how effective Alex Caruso and LeBron are on the floor together. Yeah, I, I would almost start Caruso over, over Danny Green and kind of see... Because what you want out of that second unit anyways is for either Anthony Davis to kind of be in there while LeBron is resting and then he can kick out the three-point shooters at that point in which Danny Green might fit in then. Or, you know, same thing with Kuzma, but... Yeah, I would almost kind of see if Danny Green does fit in a little better with the second unit defensively and even offensively. And and there's nothing wrong with experimenting. We 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 saw we saw that as as the regular season was was winding down and in preparation for the playoffs obviously, but you can only experiment to a point in the playoffs, especially in these particular playoffs, especially with everything that's on the line. So I, it's not that I sit here. I, I mean, even in the second half, you know, JC, I, I look and I say, okay, the Rockets only scored, you know, 49 points in the second half. It's not like they were, you know, burning burning uh, the basket out there and Lakers scored 42. It was really that, that second quarter that the Lakers just couldn't, they sort of couldn't recover from and then wound up giving, wound up, giving up, excuse me, in the fourth quarter as a result. Yeah, it's... Yeah, the point the point at which you could kind of see them give up in the fourth quarter. I mean, there was I think still six or seven minutes left. It was yeah, a little disappointing. And that's and that's you know it's body language and and some of that is from LeBron, but it's also effort. And I think you know, like you said, if LeBron is not showing that that dog in him, or I guess we could say that Jimmy Butler in him, right, so to speak. <laughs> Miami, what an impressive team right now. Yeah. But if he's not showing if he's not showing that fight, that spirit, it's hard for other guys around him to get sort of, you know, amped up. And for me, one thing that you know I don't have to get amped up about is the manscape the lawnmower. You are you I've, you've heard me talk about it. Our audience has heard us talk about it. All right, we know what that is. But did you also know that they just released the Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is a perfect add-on? Because I know a lot of guys don't think about, you know, the finer things and the details. But when you get the stainless steel tools and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, finger cl- fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file, you kind of get to focusing on some of those finer details that, you know, your, your females of choice can really appreciate. So it allows you to pluck your eyebrows, trim your nails in your style. And as somebody who has a little eyebrow design in my own uh, game, that's very important for me. Also, just a hairy man in general. So you get to tame all of that stuff and make sure that you're good to go. And you'll also find the Crop Reviver, trademark on that one, by the way, Crop Reviver, which is a testy toner. Yes, JC, you heard me right. That's like having cologne that is designed for your nads. And I won't judge you and we won't judge you if we catch you sniffing yourself, although you got to be pretty flexible to do that. (laughs) So with all of that good news, all you got to do is listeners of this show, head over to manscaped.com where you will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code HOOPBALL20, all capitals on HOOPBALL. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns or I'll say by the balls by shaving that front trunk. 
what a time to be alive, as if 2020 hasn't been sort of its own weird little microcosm of the world. You got all sorts of at-home essentials and activities you can do to keep yourself entertained. I mean, I appreciate that effort, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, JC, so for the Lakers, we talked about the starting five. What do we think about the bench rotation? Is there anybody who you'd play less, play differently? Uh, I mean, we just we've talked about playing Rondo Les Caruso more. I uh, still don't understand why Dion isn't getting more more minutes. Although with Rondo being back, I guess I can understand it a little bit more now. But yeah, I mean, clearly what the second unit needs is is good decision makers on handling the ball. And you know, for despite what Dion's been throughout his career. The pre the seeding games he was kind of making good decisions with the ball with that second unit so I'd I'd like to see him a little bit more. How how many minutes is the right amount of minutes for Dion? Uh, I mean I would say kind of I mean Rondo played twenty four maybe sixteen for Rondo and like ten for Dion. I guess it's a matter of making the puzzle pieces fit, right? Because it's it's sort of one of those things where I just if if the Lakers had if the if Danny ah man the Lakers they they really need this is this is a series this is a better way to say this this is a series where the Lakers really miss Avery Bradley in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's something that I'm that I think will be a bigger talking point sort of as we move forward here and see what the Lakers wind up doing. So as we enter game two, JC, are the Lakers considered a betting favorite or are they considered an underdog? Uh, well, let's take a look over at mybookie.ag where if you use the promo code HoopBall, they will match your first deposit. Uh, line for the second game, uh, Lakers are still money line favorite, minus 240. Uh, it's about a five and a half point spread in favor of the Lakers at this point. And so it seems like Vegas does expect the Lakers to bounce back. And, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us do kind of expect the Lakers to bounce back. I, I, I Especially looking at, at Milwaukee and what they're going through, I can't imagine the Lakers would allow themselves to get into that same position. I, I don't think LeBron enjoys uh, losing game one. I don't think he enjoys losing any playoff games, right? And And so... I think he will come out with sort of a more renewed focus or renewed spirit and better body language, better energy. But at the end of the day, the Lakers are just going to have to execute better on both sides of the ball because this is a Rockets team that has given them problems in the regular season and now in the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think we all kind of the seeding games, despite what they were. I think a lot of people look at that first game in which the Rockets sort of unveiled this this small ball lineup uh, post Clint Capella trade. I think I believe it was February, mid February. I forget the date. Um, but yeah, everyone's sort of clowning the the Rockets in this small ball lineup, and they beat the Lakers in their first game, and they've been winning a lot ever since. And it's a Mike D'Antoni team that for for everything right now is this the number one defensive team, which is really odd. So yeah, the Lakers definitely need to step up and play much, much better all around. And I think that's, that's basically the takeaway that all Lakers fans had after game one. So as we get ready for game two, we have to hope that the Lakers play better. We have to hope that the execution is there at least a little bit more consistently 
and LeBron and AD need to lead the way, both in terms of body language, sort of exacting their will on the game, as well as you know being a little bit more prolific offensively. I mean, that's that's really the only way I can say it. I don't think the Lakers are going to have too much success when they combine for fewer than 50 points, JC. Mm-hmm. And I think one kind of final note about just despite all the negative things we were saying about Rondo, he did start off really well. Did shoot two for five from three. He's going to be left open a lot for that three, and he's capable of shooting about two for five every night. If, if that's going to be what he's shooting, I mean, he's obviously not going to be a 40% three-point shooter the entire playoffs, but one for four, two for five, that's sort of what you want from him. So, I mean, offensively, I feel like he did what he needed to do. He's just not going to be as impactful defensively as, as a Caruso is, and that's, that's, and that's sort of where what we mean by he needs less minutes as always on this show more caruso baby that's the <laughs> bottom line reminder follow us on twitter never miss a show at hoopball lakers the pod is found wherever you stream your content make sure you subscribe download leave a review we appreciate the feedback always at hoopball lakers the whole hoopball family at hoopball tweets at hoopball fantasy jc is at jc daily on one and you can find me at ethan underscore noroff We'll be back after game two to give an update, but until then, we out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.